everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Cosimo Studio Tours podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of an artist's studio. Each week, we'll do an in-depth feature on an artist, exploring the ins and outs of what it's like being an artist, as well as the highs and lows from a creative and business perspective. This week, we head to the studio of artists Karolina Dworska and Wolicz. Born in Poland, Karolina holds a BA in Fine Art from Goldsmiths, University of London, where she first developed a passion for a signature digital knit and textile artwork. The artist works predominantly in sculpture and textile making. Her work focuses on dreamscapes inspired by mythology, horror, science fiction, and the complexities of our corporal or real world or material reality. She has exhibited her work internationally in the United Kingdom, Spain, and South Korea. Her works have been shown at Bloomberg New Contemporaries, JGM Gallery, Decontemporary in Mayfair, London, Unit 1 Workshop, The Feminist Library, and Start Fair in both London and in Seoul, South Korea. In this interview, we speak all about the details of Carolina's works, childhood inspirations from 80s, 90s animations and cartoons to wanting to be a pop star or Britney Spears growing up, curating creature comforts, a group show highlighting the work of textile artists at JGM Gallery in London, the need for further artist support, i.e. art funding, and the messages she tries to capture through her dreamlike works. So, um, we're here on, on Cosimo's studio tours podcast with i'm sitting in our carolina dorska yeah um thank you so much carolina for allowing us to visit your studio thanks so much for yes, tracking all the way of course <laughs> we're in woolwich as well woolwich as well so this is a new area for us to be interviewing people um so the question that i like to ask people um and begin each podcast episode with is um for artists to tell us your artist story um sure basically like your whole artistic journey how'd you become an artist if you want to start there <laughs> um artistic journey well I guess like growing up I was always um I loved drawing coloring in and you know doing various crafts and doodles mm-hmm. um so I think I've always wanted to be an artist and sort of go in that direction um yeah I think my only two um things that I, I wanted to be were well, Britney Spears or artists, so I went for the more realistic option. <laughs> I love that. I, oh my god, I love that, that yeah. answer. Um, so, Very different. Yeah, so I studied, I did my foundation course at Leeds College of Art, now known as Leeds Art University, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really great year of just doing loads of like random things. And then I did my art degree at Goldsmiths, um, which was also great, but sort of ended halfway through the pandemic so God, a bit chaotic mm. but since then um and then I went on to do a junior fellowship at Goldsmiths for a year which meant I could get another year of making stuff in the workshops mm. and testing things out and yeah just been sort of doing my own practice and in, in the studio yeah. since and and was there a reason why so we have a lot of like a mix of artists who are um self-taught and also who in art school is there a reason why you decided to go to art school specifically to kind of get artistic training i guess i never really thought about it i think i, I always thought um, i always i think i always was like i'm going because i grew i really after me and my family emigrated from poland we mm-hmm. um we grew up in lincoln and then my plan was always go to london go to goldsmiths do an art degree yeah. and be an artist so so either so that's just because no because you also come from poland so you also yeah. come from an, like another country from poland as well the britney spears thing <laughs> so either being an artist or a pop star was that just a fascination kind of with the arts or like american culture and pop culture where did that come from just i think i know i think her like big hits came out at a very developmental time for me as a as a little baby yeah i remember having a little barbie doll that had like a stage and press the buttons and she'd do like yeah, baby baby i remember that i think <laughs> i had like a whole dance device and everything i think if you're in the arts like i don't know being a pop star is that i can relate to that it's something like i just want to do just yeah. wish i could i wish i could dance and sing and like there's like just like perform that's so much fun uh, such an icon <laughs> as that well, story um this is true being an icon as well um is any do you remember growing up i guess in poland as well any key 
because you talked a little bit about color, mm-hmm. like coloring things in any like key moments that uh, inspired you to become an artist about like what was it like kind of growing up there and how it influenced your artistic is there it, it, yeah how it inter- influenced your artistic practice in any way it was so I come from a really sort of rural part of Poland uh, called Bishtade in mm. in the in the very south, um, like Carpathian Mountains, and um, yeah, so we grew up like uh, around nature and like loads of mountains and hills and tinkling streams and animals. So I don't know how it's. Um, I've done like some work sort of showing landscapes and. Um, I think it's really influenced my dreams, which and my practice being all about dreaming and fantasy spaces. It's definitely bled through that. I have a lot of recurring dreams about bears and wolves in the mountains. So mm-hmm. I think that way it's very, yeah. very connected to... Because so, I remember you mentioned it's a lot, a lot of like, well, we'll go into artistic practice mm-hmm. and inspiration. It's a lot of kind of like folklore, I think is yeah. interesting um, that we have like from other artists as well who kind of similar region similar regions who we've who we've yeah. interviewed I think at that part is so interesting so going into your artistic practice um can you talk to me about the inspirations behind your work as you can see in the background hopefully <laughs> we'll take photos as well and show on the like on the on our site as well and on our podcast um yeah can you talk about your practice sure. specifically how you how you create these sort of amazing digital the digital nits as well I think. Mm-hmm. yeah sure thing mm-hmm. um so i work mostly in rug tufting and i do some work in digital knitting as well making tapestries mm-hmm. um and i've done some sculptural elements so i really want to do more of those but it's always one of those things it's like oh i'll get around to it but um so uh inspiration wise um um, a lot of my work is sort of themed around dreams and um, I don't know, I'm trying to sort of forge out this connection between dreams and mythology in a sort of, I'm really interested in mythology that sort of presents eternal punishment or some sort of like hubris um, moment, you know, I really love, um, I mean there's a lot of Greek myths as well where yeah. someone does something and their punishment is really ironic and mm-hmm weird and funny <laughs> um and there's i find um a lot of dreams i have and dreams in general to be really similar so mm-hmm. um i don't know like running away from something your own dream these are your my own dreams, dreams yeah oh, okay like a lot of my dreams are sort of being pursued by an animal like a wolf or a bear and it's very similar in sort of greek mythology like yeah i don't know a hunter being pursued by his own hounds as like a punishment for something they did so i think there's a really interesting connection and also this idea of like the uh i can't remember what it's called the um i can't remember the, the, we'll the come word back. We'll, 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 we'll come back to with it, the it animal, so with the animals because you have a lot of inspiration with animals yeah this goes probably will stem back to some sort of childhood <laughs> idea but why because and you also like create these kind of very imagined probably dream-like things yeah. that i'm assumingly can you talk about kind of why you kind of gravitate towards these kind of animals and how that goes into the exhibition you created a few months yeah. ago called creature comforts creature Comfort. which is very telling now <laughs> of what inspiration um can yeah how do you kind of animate and think and like conceptualize of these creatures and what is that process like um yeah, mm-hmm. of creating them because I'm assuming it is from your imagination but like how long does that take you to do is it like how long do you are you sitting on these and making these creatures yeah um it's interesting um I guess a lot of like sort of reoccurring uh, animals and creatures come from my dreams that mm-hmm. I have sort of like over and over again and I do a lot of drawing as well which I sort of sort of discard and then come back to and redraw and they sort of stay with me and stay as sort of friends that come back to me in, in a piece of work so mm-hmm. um, yeah I think I really like sitting on things and letting them stew and finding the right time for them to be accessed in, in like artwork and stuff yeah. and creature comforts yeah, it's a lot of creatures. It's a lot of. I guess I really another big influence on me is horror, uh, and like body horror, cosmic horror, and um, like there's a lot of really weird sort of creatures and sort of mutated humans and 
like sort of Junji Ito's. Uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at his graphic novel mangas, uh, Junji oh, okay. Ito, but he's done really interesting, really beautifully drawn. <laughs> I was about to ask where the horror in- horror influence comes from, if it's mostly from, because it is animation what you're doing. I'm, yeah. like, I'm also like looking at either, <laughs> also the models as well, which are quite literally what animators will do. Like yeah. <laughs> you'll make and then make this sort of three, three-dimensional model. Um, mostly anime. Is there any other things where you get this animation influence, this horror influence. Science fiction as well, I really love. Mm-hmm. I think um, Ridley Scott's Alien is mm. like altered my brain chemistry forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Like, um, and the way they like incorporated Geiger's um, like artwork mm-hmm. is like really, really cool. Yeah. And the the sort of morphed. Um, like, I really like this idea of like the human body but like sort of being put on the wrong way around. I think yeah. a lot of the creatures that do end up in my work are like sort of, I imagine this like feeling of like coming out of like corporeal reality while you're dreaming, sort of like, I mean, it's still obviously happening inside your brain, but mm-hmm. like. Okay. <laughs> sure. okay, sorry, go, go, go. Sorry, okay. I was making sure it's sort of <laughs> Okay, go, yeah, keep going where, yeah. Yeah, like, um, and then just imagining this like body fragmenting or sort of barely materializing as you're dreaming, mm-hmm. coming out or going into a dream. Yeah. So. And it's, it's all a big mix of things. Speaking <laughs> of, because the reason why it's so interesting, because your process and digital nets, can you explain what? Digital, digital knits are sure. <laughs> that's the basic question because yeah. it's important to know sure thing yeah so um uh basically machine it's like digital knitting machine knitting um it's very an auto, a very automated process mm-hmm. essentially um you have an image whether it's on a piece of paper or a file a photoshop file mm-hmm. um you input it into the big uh, the computer program and then um it basically, I don't know. I'm so so bad at explaining this. No, you're going. You have go for it. You have, <laughs> you have the you have a digital file, an image file. You put it in the in the machine in the program, and then it sort of encodes where which color you use for which. Because I think there's only I know maybe maximum of eight colors because mm-hmm. they're all different colored yarns yes. that you input through this massive machine, and then the the program sort of figures out where to put what to put where mm-hmm. and then you have this big spaceship looking thing yeah with all your yarn set up and then it knits it like row by row with yeah. each color it's really impressive to see because i remember <laughs> when i met you i there, i don't remember yeah. we did have a conversation you kind of discovered this when you were at gold yeah gold so what kind of gravitated you towards learning this specific kind con- it is a program it's yeah. <laughs> programming versus other texts like the traditional form of textile making mm. or textile work where it's on a loom and you know yeah, yeah there's all different types of there's all different types of <laughs> there's all different types of weaving but what gravitated you towards like this kind of digital programming and this kind of yeah, merging of these yeah. two. It's still traditional. I mean, you can see it as you can see. You're still working it. Yeah. But you're working from a digital file, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just um, having it available to try out. Um, and um, I think, um, you know, I really love time time-consuming processes. I really love rug topting, which is obviously very manual and very mm-hmm. hands-on. Um, and takes a lot of time um but i think it's really nice to try out something that takes you know you can draw it out and then smash it into a machine and suddenly like two hours later or an hour later you have something there and still have like a significant sort of like tapestry that you can hang up i I don't know it's also like there's something about the pixel sort of quality to it which i think rug made Top thing has as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the sort of texture. I think it's really dreamy. It really reminds me of, like, there's something really nostalgic about it. In a, in the same way, like video games from the eighties and nineties are. That is true. Um, yeah. like the pixels. Do you are... find that there's some of the like some of them I'm looking at like I'm familiar with some of us the ones behind the Pixie <laughs> exhibitions. Like, is it? Do you find like the designs are more hypersaturated? Like it has that like that really really colorful imagery, and it has not grainy, 
Not, what is, I don't know, with video games. I know the ones in the night. I don't know. Ones that I'm familiar with, like the vintage old yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that, you know, that grainy type of very colorful things that, like, were in the 90s. Yeah. You think, not, like, more tied, to, like, aesthetic-wise, like, tied to the 90s? Or, like, is there any certain aesthetic that you associate it with? I think I think of, like, Game Boys or, like, arcade machines from, Wondering. like, the 80s. Yeah, like the 80s. And, with a big round... Um, like screen. I think that's good. That help, I asked that because it helped you kind of conceptualize the visuals. Yeah. <laughs> because we will post images, but it's something that like is good to understand because you're again with the Britney Spears reference. I know. Just like going back to childhood, I'm just trying to. <laughs> I think there's a lot of. Um, yeah. Like I love I love contemporary art. I love modern art, but I think I get a lot of inspiration from so many random places. I think that's great. Um, no, I think the I think a lot of art like I love pop culture and. I think like that's where you draw a lot of inspiration yeah and i think you shouldn't sort of separate those things because i honestly think if i was maybe born like 10 or 20 years earlier i would have ended up as an animator because i think it's such a i feel like such a pinnacle of animation was happening when i was a child like on cartoon network and stuff it was in the 90s uh like sort of of turn of 2000 yeah like I've heard because I ninety three. I don't. We're a little, we're a little bit the same. No, a little bit the same age. ninety three. I feel like, well, no, that area, like nineties, early two thousands, was like peak cartoon. So good. I will agree with that, and I hope that stays in the interview because I will make sure that's fact. My parents will even agree with that. They think like, you grew up in the golden age of cartoons. Um, yeah. Truly. Um, so going into the bonus questions. Um, the first one that we ask all guests is you can pick one if you want you can pick two um what do you love most about being an artist um what do I love most about being an artist I love um the fact that um I end up doing loads of like really weird things Mm -hmm. and sort of a lot of days are very like you don't really get this same day like, over and over again <laughs> yeah I, think I feel like um i don't know i've because uh, i do some freelancing as well with assisting artists and doing some tech work it's really um mm-hmm. i don't know being immersed in that and not only making my own work which is always a joy and like being able to i don't know stew around in my studio and make something it's yeah. really like I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else I feel like um you know yeah. it's just what I exactly what I want to be doing but also you know you meet so many interesting people and do uh I don't know I've assisted with like some really great artists like making I don't know sculptures out of tufting and all sorts of things and just yeah meeting meeting other artists mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um I was about to ask something. What do you love most about what I like to ask people, especially yeah. I'm asking you recently, what do you love most about being an artist in London? In London? Well, it's again, it's like there's so many of us here. It's so great for networking and meeting new people. And I don't know, like I I'm quite I'm actually quite shy, but it's um I don't know, you find someone on Instagram and I don't know, you like you realise you work in similar themes or they do something that you're really interested in yeah. you can't just message them and be like i really like your work do you want yeah. to go for a coffee and then you go for a coffee and you just talk about similar ideas yeah. and it's just really Cause wonderful you're quite good you're pretty because it reminds you you because you've curated you've done a lot of shows this year, <laughs> but you're quite well connected and especially with instagram i know as well we like when i when i use it yeah no it is like, like how do you, do you just how to how much do you reach out to artists on instagram how do you find your community for people who are emerging artists? i think that's important i think instagram is really good i mm-hmm. know i've been on it slightly less in the last few months because i think it really overwhelms me sometimes it does yeah uh, yeah it's a full-time job we can talk about business practice yeah. later but <laughs> yeah i think i've become really bad at actually posting updates and uh, things like that but mm-hmm. i'm trying to keep a healthy balance of like real life and yeah and um online stuff but yeah instagram's really good because you can you know if you're if you like someone's working just follow them and mm-hmm. you know give them a message and most of the time people are really nice and do want to have a conversation mm-hmm. and um yeah obviously going going to shows as well which i should do more of mm-hmm. uh, but i swear i'm always working on them yeah. 
<laughs> the one show. So we met at this decontemporary show as that was last. That was last year. That was over last a year, year yeah. ago. Um, this time last year, not really a few months before. And then you curated a show. Um, I can say vaguely where it was. It in was in Battersea Gallery. Yes. Okay, that was really interesting. Could talk a little bit about that, but sure. you also curated it with um, uh, this artist Wu Jin who is another really amazing artist, Ujin and she's another amazing artist, and I really love it, because you guys work, and you make very, like, very interesting, like, just textile work, and it's, like, even similar themes, but that's another connection, that's another connection that was, like, oh, two artists that I know. Um, yeah. Really quickly, can you talk a little bit about that show that you curated, because it was so interesting, and I just wanted to know the process, because I didn't see, I didn't get to go to the private view or kind of talk to you, I just yeah. went by myself. It was hectic. <laughs> I think it was the last day, so that was called Creature Conference. Oh, there was another show as well, but I, the one you curated, you actually, like, had a hand in curating. It yeah. was kind of a big deal it was a big ordeal it seemed like a big ordeal because you had a lot of artists you were working with what was that inspiration what was the inspiration behind that show how did you go about finding those artists mm -hmm. okay so to start off with we got this idea i was talking to my boss uh, about uh quilts mm -hmm. um last year there was a really amazing exhibition of g's g's bend quilts um mm -hmm. from america and uh, I don't know, we just started talking about quilts, quilting, quilting artists that we know, and then I showed her some people that I know that work in quilting, mm -hmm. and we just sort of went on a tangent, and then we were like, oh, we should, you know, curate, create a textile show. And I was like, yes, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. So then I started thinking about, um, I guess, like, textiles, you know, such a broad, you know, catchment um you know you get quilting i work in tufting i know so many weavers so i started thinking about all the different things and then I, obviously I, I had a lot of people on instagram that i really you know sort of fun girl over so yeah I, I guess i started thinking about like a few idea a few oh sorry that's no, fine you can go a little bit <laughs> if you want yeah okay go go um yeah so i had um a few people i had in mind already just because from you know mm -hmm. sort of knowing them in person and instagram stalking and then i had sort of the first few people covering different textile mediums and then i also had th was thinking about how like textiles has this like, sort of association with like domesticity and like softness and i don't know like your mum repairing your socks or sewing up yeah. your trousers uh or my, my grandma teaching me how to knit um so i really wanted to play around with that because yeah. i think my way into it and the way what interests me about textiles is like looking at historical textiles that show conflict or weird sort of violent imagery i really mm -hmm. you know you get like the bio tapestry or the hunt of the unicorn where it's like this series of tapestries of well hunters hunting unicorns with mm -hmm. <laughs> angry dogs so i don't know like reconciling these different ideas yeah um and sort of trying to throw them in the mix and a lot of the uh, so, yeah a lot of the artists played around with that as well so like molly kent for example her work is amazing and it's all to do with sort of mental health and dreams and these weird dream scenes of mm -hmm. houses on fire and um all sorts of things so I guess I really wanted to make this space of like all really, regardless of the mediums, I wanted a variety of mediums, TikTok mediums. <laughs> I'm so bad at explaining myself. <laughs> no, this is okay. Don't worry about it. No, no, you're not at all. <laughs> yeah, go. Um, so I really wanted like, first of all, to show a variety of textile mediums. Mm -hmm. I wanted them all to be like really, really well made. Um, and I know so many talented people like, in person and online so it wasn't difficult to find <laughs> find them and um um and yeah trying to let each sort of artist have that conversation of i don't know some some artists worked in a sort of like you know made straight up you know very beautiful soft things made yeah. from sort of hand uh hand dyed naturally dyed things some people made you know 
chaotic, fiery, inferno tapestries. Yeah. I have a really question. So of those groups of artists, I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember, predominantly were they women, we'll say female identifying, or yeah. women artists? I just, were there some male artists or yes. how, yeah what was the ratio between those um i think out of 14 there was three men okay um yeah. so it was nice nice to have a mixture and there was mm-hmm. artists from a few different countries as well yeah uh, from like sweden and we had an artist from palestine as well oh my god which was really amazing it was a very big deal for no it was the video it. it was like very thoughtfully curated as well which i really liked um but i think it's important because uh textile art within the past year it's like been more frequently seen in shows had a moment (laughs) having a moment right now yeah it's having a moment right now and i think like the tie to like domesticity like when you look at textile art it's something that as you said knitting it's like a tradition that is passed on mostly by women because that's who who would do sewing and everything like that's it's true and it's that tradition but it's like it's usually tied to kind of the secret life sometimes the secret life of women or yeah. even if it's men it's like the secret domestic life that people have which mm-hmm. i think is really interesting and kind of it was came about I, I kind of realized that more as i saw the show and it like clung on to this idea but also like your work your work is so vastly different and it's like this like juxtaposition and caught very strong contrast to these oh, two you. ideas it's very it's very true it's like very violent imagery but very like strange like strange creatures that yeah. come out but then you have like that title which is like creature comfort, creature comfort. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so very yeah. reassuring title it's like yeah i think like, it was a nice sort of like double meaning of you know creature yeah. comforts the essentials the warmth of a blanket or uh some you know a teddy bear or yeah. or you know a, a rug the sort of domestic interior and then mm-hmm. also like creatures uh i had you know some soft sculptures of big dogs by heidi pierce mm-hmm. and some yeah threatening tapestries it's all by freddie robbins and yeah woodins yeah. um and then yeah was then the, the there was a very large tapestry that had i can look it up now i mean i can look it up so be afraid be very be afraid. afraid yeah be afraid that was freddie I, robbins yeah freddie robbins because it was like this tight that was like you know very telling title especially yeah. however it speaks to it could speak to women it could speak to anyone it was like and then there was other one that said courage so it had these like just very bold wordings and statements that were just like guiding you through the show um yeah so that yeah thank you for reminding <laughs> me about the title because it was like the title but there was something of there was also the deconstruction of like the explanation of it yeah. which was very telling of like these things um and okay so moving okay so going into the other bonus questions we can sure. circle back as well i want to cover it though because it was kind of a very key key show in a moment that that was still that was a moment in this year <laughs> uh, truly no truly um this could be with textile artists but what we also like to ask you can tread carefully um what is tread as carefully as you want what is perhaps your least favorite aspect of the art world or being an artist but mm-hmm. of the art world you'd say i think um in this country i think just the lack of funding in general is oh. really is just quite terrible because i think if you don't have the resources um you you know you have to work and yeah. or sort of fight for your life to get funding applications That's true. um so i think it's just a real shame that there's not more sort of mm-hmm. opportunities where artists can sort of apply for funding or yeah. and there just needs to be more of it and mm-hmm. there needs to be more funding for i mean you know education in general but mm-hmm. i think that's it's such a hard barrier for for people who i yeah just weren't born into money that's very important <laughs> that's what we try to support at cosimo as well how best to help the artists that's what we like create this yeah. platform to do so and to give them the skills that's why i ask a lot of these questions yeah. um because of you i consider you you are a professional artist I mean, you work with galleries. You worked yeah. with galleries in the past, like in the past, and everything. And then you also are lucky enough to have a studio. But you said you also yeah. freelance. How do you kind of divide up your time between? Because I'm mean, the freelancing is to support yourself or to yeah. work outside of kind of your traditional studio practice. How do you go about dividing up your time? The answer is very badly. 
You have to do it perfectly. No, it's fine. Um, I think um, it's difficult. Um, That's why I think we want the honest answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm obviously really lucky that I can afford like a studio space, and obviously I share it with my wonderful studio mate Katia. But um, yeah. the flip side is that I have to work like four four days a week Mm -hmm. so I think it depends on projects coming up when I know something is coming I sort of take a load off my work and spend more time in the studio yeah in general I try to come in like at least sort of like once or twice a week if there's nothing yeah nothing happening I still try and try and be in here Mm -hmm. yeah in general it's really difficult to (laughs) balance things and I, I have like loads of things that in my house as well where I'm always sort of chipping away yeah definitely <laughs> and as far as because with funding did you ever kind of look into like artistic funding or what was your speaking of this because mm. what was has have you ever had experiences dealing with that from an artist perspective i've done loads of applications mm-hmm. for you know like sort of opportunities um i think new contemporaries was the thing that was really like an amazing opportunity that um, I remember this. That's that. the other show. My God, there's since so many shows <laughs> that we run into each other at. That was last year at. So it was New Contemporaries. Is that? New Contemporaries was. Um, it opened in December 2021 mm-hmm. in New South London Gallery and closed in okay, February, right. I think. Yeah, so yeah, it was just. Show. Yeah. Okay. There was another show that I was talking about. Anyway, keep continue. Yeah, <laughs> New Contemporaries. Yeah. Um. So that was. Um. So it's like a, a graduate award. Basically, mm-hmm. you can apply if you're in your last year or of uh, your degree or the year after. Mm-hmm. Or I think if you're doing your master's, you can apply every year. Um, and it was amazing because you get to be a part of two sort of touring exhibitions. You get mentoring, you get an artist fee. Um, you get to meet like, you know, a whole cohort of, of recently graduated mm-hmm. artists. It's really um like that really and i think the platform that gave my work was really really useful and yeah. you know it sort of led me to do shows like abroad and all sorts of things so yeah. that was like probably the biggest opportunity that i've received yeah and is but, it so with art well, sorry with the art funding in the uk is it like the scarcity of opportunities yeah or how difficult it is that makes it hard i think both because it's um, I haven't attempted, like, the, you know, the do your own practice, I think it's called, grant, it's great. Mm-hmm. I think you can get up to, like, £10,000 or something. Yeah. But it's quite a complex um, application process. But also, there is such a, like, what's the word? I think the artists outnumber the available okay, funding sure. that's why <laughs> so that's much. why we say scarcity like there's yeah, not enough scarcity. opportunities but there's too many artists in london well no, there's not that, okay it's not too many artists oh, too many definitely artists. Okay. it's well, too, the scarcity of funding well, well sure. too many artists probably vying for the same opportunity yeah. like it's hard to it's hard to see which artist is also it's hard to see which artist is deserving of it because every artist is unique some of them but you know you know i don't i'm trying to be as fair yeah, as possible yeah. but it's true it's um because it's art is that's why it's so difficult it's like when you have art competitions which we are the way with that thing you didn't even like we didn't talk about like <laughs> paying like if you have residencies like how much do you pay to put into your artwork there's like fees with that um yeah it's like because art is so subjective it's hard to judge who is well deserving what's the talent did they go to art school what's their accolades and yeah. everything Yours removed aside because your work is amazing, but like, <laughs> and like it's everything. <laughs> it's a different thing. It's like yeah, it's the skill level. It's how much they put in, but it's is subjective. It's like that person's opinion at the time. Um, um. Anyway, so going the other artist, he was just telling me another story about applying mm-hmm. to some another program in Italy that's very competitive, but mm-hmm. you don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> like you're just, like going, you can apply and like. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth applying yeah, to stuff, but yeah. sometimes you end up spending more time on applying for stuff yeah. than and making you, work. I, how do I best answer this? So with the galleries you work with, because I met you at D Contemporary, mm-hmm. which is in Mayfair, was that a cult? Was that one of their open calls, or was that was a specifically curated show? That was the curator of that show. Um, was Abby <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she Love she Abby. Out. Yeah. yeah, she's so lovely. And then she... Sorry, Abby guessed that was the that was the curator of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so she reached, she, out, she reached out to me. Again, yeah. like Instagram is so good for 
yeah you know someone finds you on instagram they're like ah so mostly when galleries do they approach you through instagram do they approach you directly and or have you ever did you ever apply to them as well like an open call or something i haven't let me think i hate open calls i don't think i have i've definitely applied for open calls for for exhibitions before but i don't think i've ever successfully gotten one Mm -hmm. but since um i think sort of new contemporaries onwards i've Mm -hmm. sort of people have reached out to me which has been really really a nice surprise (laughs) Um, that's always good to know like what's the ratio of people who reach out to you on instagram because it's very interesting we don't talk about sales inquiries or anything that because i did a whole thesis on this so that's why i was curious about it a lot a lot on instagram Mm -hmm. um i have had um i think probably like two-thirds on people just messaging me on instagram and Mm -hmm. then the, the the other third being over email mm-hmm. i have my email on my website and my instagram so perfect yeah um what was i was gonna say so yeah i remember this abby did tell me because i think i did ask her about that mm. specific exhibition she said that was her own project she like yeah. took that on she was like her own separate thing she was like came to the yeah so that was her own thing so that makes sense that she reached out to you directly um <laughs> It's just really good. She's really cool. Uh, yeah, really. She's a really lovely really person. Um, what? So, make this as clear as possible. So, as an artist, um, what is one thing that you wish you could tell people in the art world? Something maybe different from funding about what it's like being an artist. It can be positive, negative, but the experience of being an artist. Oh my gosh, I on, I was thinking about this question and I honestly don't know. Someone said this. That's why I'm always yeah, like very clear. So yeah, I guess if you could if you're speaking to someone maybe in the art world like an art yeah. professional what do you want them to know about what it's like being an artist about the experience that you go through oh, i honestly like i'm stumped what okay what, what i mean is anything said? like art gives me art funding as well it can be about like art be art being an artist it's fun like a lot of fun or like can be like from a women female artist perspective like if it's hard if it's fun what's the experience like when you're immersing yourself maybe in in a work maybe i think in i don't know i think one thing that i know i would and a lot of my friends would agree with that we we could tell people in the art world is Give people artist fees for participating in exhibitions. Oh, uh, give, that's a good one. Give people like, artist fees. Pay people for exhibiting. It's like, you know, it's a lot of work. I'm trying to figure out how that would work. So pay, you like pay, you would pay people, pay, have galleries pay artists. Yeah, like I've in in my time. Rather than an entrance fee, like a job. Yeah. Like an employee, like a, like if you were contributing something. Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends because it makes a difference if you have a piece of work that you, mm-hmm. an old piece of work, or if you're making a piece of work specifically new for a... I just put that to yeah. for mm-hmm. a show, but I've, in my time since graduating, I've I've received an artist fee twice in, in so they do all the exhibitions. Okay. That I've done, but I've done like a, a, whole, bunch of, <laughs> a whole bunch, a whole bunch of lot of exhibitions in comparison. Yeah. So is it like, um, would the artist fee just be like, we'll pay you to do this? Was it a larger gallery or a smaller gallery that was able to do it? Um, so being completely transparent, the first one was New Contemporaries oh, okay, for participation fee. You so you you have I to think pay. That's fine to say they probably yeah. say in their policy. <laughs> yeah, it, you, so you have yeah. to pay entry like twenty five mm-hmm. quid or something to apply, but then you get like a participation fee as well, which is amazing. And then the other one was the Feminist Library, which cool. is a yeah. Have you been library. there before? I have yet to go, but it's on my list of things. Yeah. I'm really excited to go. Yes, so, I love it. They're like you know totally mm-hmm. non-commercial and really just an amazing space mm-hmm. and i wasn't even expecting one so i wish more commercial galleries maybe considered that mm-hmm. um but obviously i know there's no funding for anything yeah. ever in the arts um I'm trying to think. but it really definitely trickles down to the people making mm-hmm. the stuff <laughs> i wonder and i have to look into how new contemporaries is actually fu- is funded because that would be interesting um I think that's a great answer. That's yeah. a great answer. I'm like, more entrance fees. That's a very specific answer that I feel like people could, could start to consider because yeah. you could figure think, it out. I think it goes mm-hmm. a long way as well. Like, just a flat participation mm-hmm. fee if you're working with an artist. Yeah. I think it's really, I don't know, 
it's just a nice well i mean it's paying for for the labor but it's also a nice gesture in the very yeah, smallest sense it's a given <laughs> well it's like to use a business term it's like a rate of return or something yeah. a rate like you're investing in something that you want something back and a lot of people a lot of artists the reason why they don't do like bigger art fairs like um well say like start art fair or something yeah you have to ins- be sure that you are investing exactly that same amount so you can't you have to like but you have to budget everything but you yeah. have to make sure that you're budgeting the amount and be sure that you can operate at a loss if you don't sell yeah so <laughs> because if you don't sell you can't make it all. like you can't make up being exactly. participating in something i think it's so complex though the whole relationship between artists and galleries and um like sort of representation outside it's mm-hmm. it's like who's doing who a favor oh it's a great opportunity to show your work but yeah. then also great opportunity to put yourself out there mm-hmm. but it's not it doesn't always necessarily translate to money and obviously money shouldn't be a you know it shouldn't be the focus of art but then also like quite a lot of yeah. artists who don't you want have to be any money. <laughs> you want to be compensated for something you created. Yeah. Especially if you're going to part with that. The only thing with that, I will say, if you look at compen- like getting paid for your work, mm. you, the from a personal side with my own dad as well, like y- you want to make sure like the hours you spend, because it's like your child basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the hours you spend, I'll part, like you can part, and you'll never make that a same pace again. I'll part with it because it's such a unique thing, but like, depends how much money I'm willing to, it's true, like how much yeah. money am I willing to part with it? That's truly what the art price is. It's yeah. like, um, giving this away. And like, if you think about, yeah, if you think about, cause art, there's like a scarcity to it. You can't make the same thing twice, but that's why if you have prints, you can make that, but they're not maybe as valuable. Yeah, um, I've been working on, cause I tend to make work, yeah, just sort of one-off works rather than yeah. additions. Um, it's not even I've been advice, looking at, that, that was just an yeah, example. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about doing prints as well, just so there's mm-hmm. like something more affordable. No, I th- something that's Yeah, it's not even affordable, I think. And what, what the point I was trying to say is like, you're making this one thing, so you shouldn't be charging a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of if money. you think of it like this, it's not even a money, it's just like, I'm parting with this that I'm never going to create yeah. again. It's only going to have one thing in this world or whatever. Um, that's why it's so important for artists to kind of you know, put up that kind of price sticker on their yeah. work because it's not it's not commodifying it to a sense, but it's like Yeah, you've spent so much time. Exactly. It. <laughs> but like it's like it's so detailed and you're like in this zone that you're creating. Speaking of which before we go on the other ones, with that process, how long does it take you to create I guess from the digital prints, like the actual digital design, mm-hmm. how many hours Out. versus like translating it because i'm assuming it's quite com- like it is quite complex but how how long does that take um so i think w- with the digital knitting it's quite straightforward actually i have i sort of hoard objects and drawings mm-hmm. and i don't know how long it would take me to assemble something because i think it, it, okay. it like it rests <laughs> in my sketchbooks and in my studio for a very long time before it becomes a thing that i use but yeah I, I don't know i think it's it's that simmer of of being able to go back to it loads of mm-hmm. times over time to... like is it a mesmerizing process when you actually just begin sketching it when you begin drawing it or when you're actually you know working with the actual textiles like are you when you start do you typically work hours on it or is it like are you does it kind of is a kind of consuming process as all art is but with i think so it's diff- very different for the knitting and the rug tufting mm-hmm. so with the knitting it's very much um the drawings will take me ages because it's always i don't know also trying i really like using a minimal palette on my textile work mm-hmm. um figuring out how to condense these images into like four four colors um like yeah i guess the drawing and then just making sure it works with the constraints of like the digital uh, the knitting like sort of pixels works but with tufting it's very much um you know i'll work it'll take me ages to work figure out a design that also fits on my frame mm-hmm. and then 
figuring out what colors I have, what colors I need to, of yarn I need to get, and then also condensing that idea, the drawing into, I don't know, like five different colors, how to arrange the like, you know, the, the darks, the, the highlights, the different colors to make those textures and those, um, those forms. And then I think it also, I really love like redrawing straight onto the canvas. I know some people project their drawings, mm -hmm. but I like sort of drawing straight on the canvas because that gives it room to maybe change, maybe add, add like another detail. Yeah. Um, and then with tufting, you work from the back. So this is the final final piece will be the mirror image. So this is the front and I'd be working in from yeah. the other side. Can you speak tufting really? Tufting? tufting? Yeah, yeah. Tufting, yeah. So essentially there's, you've got a canvas, you draw the design on and then um, there's a sort of, how do I explain it? You've got a tufting gun mm -hmm. and essentially you thread the yarn through a tufting gun. Okay. And then it's basically then just drawing with, so is with that yarn. why it sticks? Like I'm looking at the yarn right now. Is yeah. that why the basically that when you have a rug, that's why it sticks out? Is that what? Yeah. It sticks yeah. Out? So basically, the, like yeah. a shag rug, like this, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. yarns are sticking out, kind of like in this, yeah, in this like spiky manner. Yeah. So the gun bit. sort of pushes yeah. it through the the canvas and cuts it. Yeah. Um, and you can get loop pile loop pile where yeah. it doesn't cut it, so they're softer loops. But I really like. So is that pile. process quite quick, or is it? So this is this is this takes me a lot longer than the okay. knitting. Okay. That part it's does. Completely hand like. What part done. of the process do you like? Is there a process you like the best? Do you like actually drawing it first, or do you like like drawing it on the canvas like this and conceptualizing it, or do you like when you can add the actual color? I think working into it is the, my favorite bit. Yeah. I think I really like being in the zone and mm -hmm. pulling in. Because I never even asked, so when you draw them, does the, do the colors ever change? Because it, it's these yeah. creatures you have in your, okay, that's a good yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering if they, ever, if, you ever, if they ever change or like halfway through the process, um, like is it mood dependent about it? Because it's coming from your imagination. So it's like you have a dream, maybe say hypothetically yeah. you have that dream of the creature. Yeah, like that translates to how you're feeling at that day or that time. I think um, <laughs> I think it's a, a, a real conversation with the materials I have. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, because sometimes you know, um, like with this piece, I just so happen to have this like really amazing color. Yeah. Of, um, yeah, because you have to go shopping or you have to go buy these things. Yeah. So you have to know the colors anyway. So how yeah, how does that work? Um, that one? Um, I have like, um, I tend to just sort of book, um, get colors. Mm -hmm. I know like a few sort of staple colors that I like using, like the dark blue and the sort of crimson color and an off-white. They're sort of, I like using them in everything I do because they work really well with creating tones. And then, you know, sometimes I'll go wild and get like a really neon yellow and then you know I had I don't know that sort of steers me in yeah. certain directions as well I think aesthetically it's very detached from my actual dreams and what actually happens in my dreams yeah. I think the aesthetics are much more linked to the things I consume like visually yeah. and like that sort of science fiction and animation and mythology influence. I asked about the colors because it colors. it was tied to this dream, you know, dream like. Yeah, yeah. When you say dreams, it's kind of like thrillism, and it's like a sort of. When yeah. we say dreams in art world, we always that word is tied to surrealist art, which of course maybe is some like could you could draw some sort of conceptual you can you could draw some sort of connections, not quite. Um, what? But can you talk about? With also the ones in the corner. Mm -hmm. These are the ones I saw. Is that that what was that decontemporary? That was, I've sh no. seen them shown them in Bermondsey Project Space and at the start. Start that was that at thing. Star Art Fair and Saatchi, right? Yeah, that one. That one. Which one? Yeah, those. Can you talk about the story behind those two? Maybe? Sure. Um, I guess. Um, so one of them is titled um, "Force Awakening." This one. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, this sort of figure lying down yeah. on the staircase. Um, and so False Awakening is like a phenomenon in dreaming where you wake up from a dream, but 
what you're actually having is a really realistic dream about waking up from your dream oh. and you're actually still dreaming like uh <laughs> what is the that's sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. I love how I clutch my all I did was I clutch my breast and I close my eyes and she goes sleep paralysis. That was so funny. Okay, go, go, go. Um, so yeah, false awakening is when you have a really realistic dream about okay. waking up, but that you're actually sense. still dreaming. And I had this idea of like, yeah, this sort of barely materialized um body, mm-hmm. this barely barely materialized figure, um maybe not realizing that they're still in dream yeah. um it's sort of a vague relation to it because you can kind of see the narrative of them like on the stairs on the staircase and, then, and going and up one of the creatures is completely collapsed like yeah at the, <laughs> the staircase. yeah and their local was floating as well um yeah so that one's reoccurring dream so yeah this one i made like maybe a couple of months after that one um and i really wanted to i i guess yeah like play around with the same uh object um yeah but i i think they really, I really love these pieces, pieces, and I've held on to them for a really long time because mm-hmm. I know I made them at a time where I was like, I don't know, it, it was sort of maybe in the second lock, third or second lockdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, those times. <laughs> yeah. And oh. then you know, there's a lot of like grief and things happening in my life, sort of intertwined with the dreaming that I know it makes them really special for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is slightly darker, but the pink. This is the thing. The pink pinkish hues in it pink makes everything pinkish purple the color palette makes it look happy that's why there's such a stark contrast between like is it with like neon maybe not the, the green it's yeah. kind of a little bit more violet still but they're like violent imagery but then the colors remove yeah from it so, I, I like that yeah. though i like how uh but i think also textiles as a medium you can make things that mm-hmm uh, slightly maybe more violent or grotesque but yeah. i think they're more palatable I, it's the same with animation because they're in this sort of detached medium mm-hmm. um they are a bit more palatable and speaking of textile artists because you kind of gravitated towards this like medium yeah. in university or just like when you're studying did you always have I was going to ask, because I like to ask artists, who were your, who are your influences, and were they ever text? Were there any, were there, were they ever textile artists, or yeah, like you can say whoever your influences are, sure. artistic wise. Artistic wise, I'm. There's a few artists that come to mind. One is a Polish uh, sculptor. She's called uh, Alina Szapochnikov, and she made. Uh, she wasn't a textile artist, but she made these incredible really grotesque weird sort of sexy um bodily sculptures she'd make these lamps that were human lips and sometimes really phallic as well there'd be butts and like sort of fragments of the body Mm -hmm. um and i know there's something the way she made them was yeah teetering that line between sensual and sort of horrifying and it's just really interesting she cast her own and her her son's body as well in it um and then other inf- yeah i really influenced by sort of um i guess like bosch uh hieronymus bosch and his presentation okay, yes yeah, yeah we have another artist like lorelei link later also yeah <laughs> spanish yeah that was the other artist we did but she definitely that's like one of her influences yeah what yeah. about his work or what about i mean it's old speaking of which there's like some when you have the tapestries that hanging there's some like medieval influence yeah. as well which we didn't even touch upon there's so many different things yeah. i was focusing on the mythology aspect of it yeah but what about Haramis Bosch that you kind of gravitate towards um I think that there's something about his work that looks really modern and really like uh there's a really clear link to surrealism mm-hmm. with his work and I this they're really sort of I don't know if they were intended to be but they're really playful and really mm-hmm. really funny at times like the Garden of Earthly Delights I saw it a few years ago at the Prado is it called in in uh, Madrid and yeah I think oh my god it's like extraordinary and they all have their butts out and they're weird you know riding fish and you know the hell panels so there's something that really interests me about presentations of hell throughout time and that yeah the idea of like eternal punishment and like I I don't know it's something is really interesting how Mm -hmm. humans design and like interpret hell and punishment and yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the word I couldn't remember earlier. Collective and conscious. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good. I know that too. Okay, yeah. collective and conscious. So yeah, this idea of like reoccurring ideas throughout all of humanity that present themselves yes. through metaphor, um, mythology and, and dreams. Which, uh, before we get to the other last question, um, what sort of... Is there any myth that you gravitate towards the most? Like, our folklore? Should have asked this in the beginning, but <laughs> now that I'm asking now, because we were talking about your your influences, um, yeah, are there any, like, specific mythology, specific folklore that sticks out in your mind that you, like, I think find most inspiration from? Yeah, there's a few Greek myths that really, I don't know, really well, yeah, please that's what me. Asking, yeah. Um, so the, I, right now, I just really like I love the myth of Prometheus, and I love this idea that this god was like made humans and really wanted them to be safe and wanted them to, I, I don't know, have have good resources. Yeah, this sounds very personal. For yeah, you. yeah, I love. I, 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 I love it. Creatures. She's like, I'm making these creatures as well. I want them to be safe and comforting. No, I just I love this idea of it's it's a really sympathetic like myth. I think this. Mm-hmm. God, you know, loving humans so much that he, mm-hmm. you know, tried to trick the king of the gods and steal fire from yeah. Olympus. And then for eternity now has his liver picked out by eagles yeah. every night. <laughs> and also the myth of Sisyphus as well. Well, you asked about detail at the end. Can you tell me how they describe like, the processes of your work as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, they're really nice myth, and all of a sudden the gory element is about the end. No, it's good. Yeah. Like I noticed that it's narrative, that like the narrative of how you cherry picked it a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there any Polish? Is there any? I don't know. I asked this before with another artist. Were there any like specific Polish? that you drive from i think that's interesting definitely i did some reading um about sort of like slavic folklore this year but the book i read was so badly written it made me so angry (laughs) it made me want to throw it away into the sea um i don't know if there's any specific myths because it wasn't uh, quite as well documented as like greek mythology was but um Stories of that's stories, yeah. I really, you know, there's um, sort of certain creatures like Rusauki that are like sort of Slavic mermaids, Mm -hmm. but they're, I think, that's my favorite. I love when, yeah, that's the part of it. I like, I like the mermaid, but that's where the world that it comes from. But I I love it because they're sort of very, I think they have a dark edge to them. Like, I think they or at least in the book I read, it, it, the idea is that some of them are like, come from like pe- women drowning mm-hmm. and they become these like sort of mermaid-like creatures. There's just like some traditions that come from folklore that sort of still happen to this day. Like every spring we, like you make a woman out of hay mm-hmm. and then you either sort of set her on fire or throw her into the like river mm-hmm. to signify like the the death of winter and the oncoming springs. So. Yeah, because there's the well, there's a whole history of it that you can go in. That's why I like the story element. Yeah. The first question that asks that everyone has a story. You have such like and every piece of artwork has a narrative. Tapestries you can say like because the way you hang them are have this like medieval influence and they have a very specific way of telling a story because it's very visual and this whole thing has this story that's contained in the piece mm. that's way more in depth maybe than a painting and there's a whole there's like a whole different history that you can like you can do a whole lecture on it that's why textile is so interesting yeah because <laughs> that's why they're so massive as well because you're telling this whole story you can make it as large as you want you can make them but there's the, yeah there's a whole process of how it goes but i wanted to ask about polish influence mm. as well because if you like folk it's what it's called folklore from different regions as well there's so much difference and speaking of animation when they draw from like films like yeah. say disney films for example say like you have like grim brother or you know like yeah, any yeah. of the grim brothers hans christian anderson type of things or whatever there's so much more they come from this darker influence yeah. and they're completely turned around through commercialization or like just western type of like 
whether I don't know Western religion, you know, yeah. just through this like filtered lens, basically, of like religion and what have you, um, and they get filtered and turned around. And I think it's interesting where those stories come from, how that filters through, and you're telling a different story from your own past, from your own background, but it's yeah, you're kind of you just filter that through a different lens and you're <laughs> telling it a different story like through the ones that you just told me um okay so for the last question well typically I ask what would you want to change about the art world but for the last question if you could um pass on advice I call it from artist to artist mm-hmm. um what advice would you give um to an artist just embarking on this journey yeah. what kind of key things would you say I would say be good to focus on be I I guess this is yeah more of a general one but I think just be really generous with other artists and other people um with your time with your knowledge rather than like I think there is this urge to gatekeep sometimes and being really precious about what you make and not wanting to I don't know you want to keep it all a secret but I think just being really generous with that and but on the flip side like asking people loads of questions yeah if there's someone who works in a similar way to you like you know talk to them go for a coffee um and like make I, th- I feel like your peer group is like your strongest asset and then yeah. being really yeah really generous really kind to other people I think benefits everyone does that go hand in hand with making the art world more accessible I think, yeah we'll definitely that word and yeah. it's important that for Cosimo at least like that's what we're all about yeah I think that's good yeah do you, yeah do you think that would help say like with certain barriers in the art world let us start to making things more accessible is that just taking being more proactive whether it's the artist side whether it's galleries of reaching out to people of like being that i think i th- i think being proactive in terms of just you know like i think network i hate i you know the word networking yeah, but networking. i think yeah just being really sort of friendly and being interested in what other people are doing yeah and genuinely you know if you know there's someone who interests you like just talk to them and they might be quite interested yeah. to talk to you as well well i like the idea that you said like don't gatekeep yeah yeah because I feel like we didn't go into art school. I think coming from an art school background, there's so much competition. Yeah. You get into that. Did you get into that mindset of, or you probably had seen that I think amongst you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's the truth. That's not, I, yeah. I, I think in my first year of uni, I found it very sort of um, difficult. And it, mm-hmm. I think it stopped me from making work. So I was like, oh, I should be doing this. Oh, I should be doing that. Or I don't know what I should be doing. Yeah. So I didn't make very much work because I was very nervous. But I think as soon as you're sort of you, you realize you've got these resources, you should try, you know, sort of try them out, test things out um, mm-hmm. and figure out what you want to do. I think then you can sort of, I don't know, do your own thing and look to others for like strength and community rather than, yeah. oh, I should, I have to be better than I need to get a better grade or be in a bigger show i don't know i think that helps so did you experience that was kind of ex- you experiencing burnout i think that's important for people to know because it i mean like you, you work so hard as an artist that that's when the burnout occurs because you're <laughs> constantly currently like i'm kind of dealing i don't know if you're dealing with that now but she does so much you've done so much in this past like year alone this first half uh, of the year um i you know i feel like because there's an urge to be like the superstar um which is great you should always have you should always have that you should always make a name for yourself but i think that's important to know like everybody has their own niche and you can focus on your work which yeah. is important that's good yeah I think... always be open and nice to people <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly i don't yeah. think there's anything to be gained from uh being like you know thinking that you're better than other people and yeah. you you know how could they possibly approach me yeah. other than maybe a, a weird ego there's no point i don't think every time i catch myself looking at other people's work i'm like oh my god i should be doing this i'm like or should, should my work look more like this is that something no. you would think, so the other part is kind of it, it goes with the earlier question is that something you change about the art world is that people to make it more accessible maybe one thing you can change 
one thing I could change. Um, I think, and I know this is such a boring answer, but I think just more, more paid opportunities for artists, more funding in in like education, more funding. Perfect. Uh, I don't know for galleries or institutions to have to pay artist fees. I don't know. You know, the things like do your own practice grants are great, but there should be more of that yeah. and there should be more readily accessible. I think people. the fees part was, I think that's a very specific thing yeah. that no one else has said. I think that's a very good thing that you pointed out that could be maybe easily, that's like a step to be easily like re rectified or something that can help. That's an idea that can help those in the art world mm -hmm. figure out how to best accommodate to artists and try to maybe like get artists in shows. Yeah. That could also be an idea. Um, but yeah, um, you said so many lovely things. You said so many things. Every part is like, oh, wait, I was about to make a slight, a slight also like to be more welcoming. I was like, when I came up to you at the exhibition, like always wear like some outfit that's very, <laughs> oh, that's important. When you're at an exhibition, always wear an outfit that like is well coordinated, <laughs> well coordinated, well, well, always be like, you know, something that makes people like want to come up to you and be approachable. Because apparently now in every, whenever you have exhibitions, you're always well coordinated with your artwork. So. I don't know. It just really <laughs> so pleases brand. me. I just, you know, I have, yeah. I, I just like, maybe I make things that I'd love to wear. <laughs> that's the other part. That's the other part. We even talk about this as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's not even on brand. I think it's just right yeah always to always be approachable i think is important because it's hard to network as an artist yeah i think it's I'm... hard to go up to people just like be nice <laughs> no it really is and i think i'm quite like i'm quite a shy person I, it's not i'm not very mm -hmm. it doesn't come very naturally to me to be like most artists oh hi yeah. lovely yeah. to meet you most what artists do you do? Are, like it's fine. yeah it's but thing. i think i i do think things like instagram make it easier because mm -hmm. i find myself a lot less nervous typing to someone I love your work. Yeah. Let's go for a coffee or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then like in person. But also I think, yeah, just making friends with other artists is such a like, yeah. such a valuable. I wish we could like title this podcast, Be Nice. Be Nice. <laughs> be, nice. <laughs> be Nice, Be Authentic, I guess maybe Be Authentic, yeah. um, Be Open. I think that's really, I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good intro. So I'm going to end this here, but thank you so much, Carolina, for thank letting you. us in your studio and for having this really in depth conversation. It's been lovely.